Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd just like to thank everyone, those loyal listeners out there that listen to my podcast every week. Uh, If you enjoy it, I do encourage you to share it around, uh, tell friends, family, colleagues, whoever you think might benefit from it. And of course, uh, also uh, leaving a rating or review uh, wherever you listen to the podcast uh, certainly helps spread the good word. So I very much appreciate that. Okay, so let's get into this week's topic, which is uh, borrowing capacity. Borrowing capacity is a really important factor uh, for most investors, uh, particularly people that have you know, relatively low asset base or just starting their investment journey. The ability to borrow safely uh, is incredibly important in making sure that they can you know, invest as much as possible, as soon as possible, uh, again, whilst doing it safely. And, and borrowing capacity is really the scarce resource that must be uh, managed and uh, allocated efficiently. It's not investment opportunities. Uh, there's lots of investment opportunities out there. What, uh, there isn't an endless amount of borrowing capacity, unfortunately. Uh, and borrowing capacity at the moment, given the RBA has hiked rates so aggressively, uh, is the tightest it's been in 20 years. So that's going to create some challenges, and I thought that I would um, uh, talk a little bit about that today. So just as a bit of a history lesson, uh, then in 2019, uh, the banking regulator, which is APRA, uh, stands for Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, Uh, told the banks to include a serviceability buffer of 2.5% above uh, whatever interest rate you're being offered. So uh, normally there's a standard variable rate, less an applicable discount, and whatever that discount might be, might be 2%, might be more, Um, plus then 2.5% is what the bank will measure your ability to repay at. Uh, In October last year, they increased that buffer to 3%, uh, which is probably prudent at the time given uh, variable interest rates being offered to borrowers were so circa 2% or sometimes below. Uh, and so APRA didn't want people borrowing or borrowing a, a large amount just because uh, interest rates were really low. So uh, therefore, it means that today we've got an interest rate buffer of 3%. And that means if you go and apply for a home loan, your repayments are going to be measured or your affordability is going to be measured at around 7.5% over 30 years on a principal interest basis. But worse still, if you're applying for an uh, interest-only investment loan, your repayments are going to be tested at 8.35%, around about that, uh, on a principal interest basis over 25 years. So that means, and put this in real terms, in terms of uh, repayments, actual dollar value repayments, if you're applying for a million dollar home loan, uh, your repayments are going to be tested at $84,000 a year. So can you afford to repay $84,000 compared to actual repayments are closer to 60? And if you're applying for a million dollar investment loan, uh, your repayments are going to be tested at $95,000 a year, whereas your actual interest-only repayments are closer to fifty-five. So a significant difference there, a really large, uh, I guess, buffer that's been built into uh, borrowing capacities at the moment. Uh, and what APRA needs to do is, is dial down that benchmark interest rate 
because it might have been uh, applicable uh, when interest rates were, you know, far lower than what they are today, um, but maybe uh, not as necessary now that the cash rate has risen so far. To give you some context, benchmark interest rates uh, have typically ranged between 6 and 7% over the last 20 years. So at the moment, they're 75 for home loans and uh, almost 85 for investment loans. So certainly benchmark interest rates are a lot higher than what they've historically been. And as a result, borrowing capacity is a lot lower today than what it's historically been. So as I said, the problem has been that the RBAs pushed through 2.5% cash rate increases over the last six months, but uh, APRA has been slow to respond and they set their benchmark interest rate when the cash rate was uh, 0.1 of a percent. Uh, now it's obviously a, a lot higher than that and needs to be adjusted. So we ha have a look at sort of um, how borrowing capacity works then. Uh, and essentially to qualify for a million dollar loan, you've got to prove that you've got over um, uh, $62,000 in surplus cash flow on an after-tax basis. Now that's a sizable uh, surplus cash flow. As you can imagine, it's $5,000 a month of uh, savings capacity. Uh, and uh, certainly there's a lot of people out there that have that level of surplus cash flow, but by the same token, there's a lot that don't. And as, uh, as a consequence, won't um, qualify for a million dollar investment loan. So uh, let's work through some numbers then. Let's assume that million dollars uh, helps you buy an investment property. That property yields 3% in terms of a rental income. Uh, you, you're going to have to obviously make an allowance for expenses. And so normally banks will take into account 70% of that gross rental income, 70% of the 3%. So that's about $20,000 a year. So that's the income that's coming in. As I said, they will then test repayments on the million dollar loan uh, at 8.35% over 25 years. Those repayments come into about uh, $95,500. And of course, we're going to get some negative gearing benefits, uh, particularly while interest rates or now that interest rates are a little bit higher. So I'll calculate the negative gearing benefit is a positive $13,000. So um, it's 20,000 less 95 and a half plus uh, add back 13,000 of uh, tax benefits gets us to about $62,000 a year you need on an after-tax basis to demonstrate you can afford that million dollar investment loan at $62 uh, after-tax is really north of $100,000 pre-tax. So you know you need uh, surplus income pre-tax of about $100,000 to qualify for a million dollar invest investment loan. Uh, so what's going to happen there? Well, if things don't get changed, the the uh, volume of money flowing into, particularly from investors, flowing into the property market will um, be a lot lower than what it's historically been. But then again, I don't necessarily think the RBA or APRA or even the government are going to be that worried about that because I think it's noteworthy that new home loan volumes have been unsustainably high over the last couple of years. And I include a, a chart in the blog, in this week's blog, and of course the link is in the show notes, that shows uh, new investment loan volumes have been a little bit higher than average, but not to the same extent as home loans. Uh, and home loans are the, are the problem at the moment. Um, and we really need to see that home loan volume uh, come down. Now it's starting to trend lower uh, and I think that trend will continue. 
So for those reasons, I don't think the regulator is going to change serviceability benchmark interest rates until they see, uh, home loans in particular, uh, that, that volume reduce uh, back to sort of what, what is more normal. Uh, so less than uh, that's obviously less than uh, $20 billion uh, a month, which has been over that period, that $20 billion a month for, for some time, although it's coming down, uh, trending down now. So I suspect that the... Um, RBA and the government and so forth would be rather pleased to see a cooling in the flow of lending or the volume of lending um, and, uh, you know, increasing the cash rate uh, whilst keeping the benchmark interest rate the same is a sort of indirect way of achieving that outcome. And I think we'll see that over the next couple of months. So I think the rest of this calendar year, I think we'll see a trending down of uh, new mortgage volumes. Uh, And uh, as such, I think the um, that APRA might be in a position to make changes to the benchmark interest rate early next year to normalise borrowing capacities. So I had a bit of a brainstorm about what investors can do uh, when dealing with an environment uh, where borrowing capacity is a lot tighter uh, than what it's historically been and it's something that I think uh, investors are going to need to consider and uh, contemplate, particularly obviously if you uh, plan on investing over the coming months. Uh, So I just want to share some tips uh, just in no particular order. Uh, So the first one is uh, think about your borrowing requirements before you make any changes to your employment. So if you you think about changing uh, jobs and particularly if you have a variable remuneration component, so a commission or a bonus sort of structure, um, probably best to get your lending in place before you make any of those changes. Uh, if you, particularly if you have that uh, variable re- remuneration, because uh, lenders will want to see a history of that at your current employer, and, and so if you go and change employers, uh, you know that then you're going to delay your ability to borrow. Uh, next, minimise credit card limits. So banks will include three percent of your card limit as a monthly expense, um, which reduces your borrowing capacity, uh, obviously. Um, and particularly if you have a number of cards, uh, your, your limits can start to really add up. As was the case in my personal situation, and actually over the last couple of years, I've actually switched to using just one charge card uh, and cancelled all my credit cards, uh, mainly to, to reduce bank fees and maximise points, but also uh, had, a, had the added advantage of, um, of improving my borrowing capacity. So something to think about there. Um, delay ca- taking out any new car leases or car finance until you've made any changes to your borrowing capacity. So if you, you're applying for a new loan, for example, do the car after you've got the loan. And the reason for that is that car leases and, and loans tend to be over a short uh, term, whether it's two, three, four, five years. Uh, and as such, the repayments are higher and they really eat into your borrowing capacity. Uh, last week, I wrote a blog about sort of protecting your credit score, credit score and, and really protecting your personal credit file. So that's something to do is have a look at your credit file. You can go back and have a look at uh, that blog that I posted last week. Um, for younger people that still have a help debt, uh, so that's the old HEX debt that, uh, uh, that's associated with um, university studies, the repayment structure for help debt was changed uh, a few years ago. Previously, uh, you only had to repay uh, 3% per annum, regardless of your income. Uh, now, depending on your income, particularly if it's north of 100000 you've got to repay 10% a year. 
So um, particularly young professionals out there that, uh, that are early on in their career and still might have a reasonable help debt, um, and, but also a, a rising income, uh, the, the help repayments can really eat into that. Uh, and you might be actually better off just repaying that debt. Getting rid of those, uh, the, that repayment requirement can have a, a significant impact on your borrowing capacity. And the next item is really just trying to minimise uh, discretionary expenses uh, three or so months out from uh, expecting to lodge an application with the bank. Because uh, that will go some way or a long way, I would argue, to demonstrate the level of discretionary income that you have, uh, which you'd be able to contribute towards repayments if you really needed to. Um, and so that would be a way of not only proving to the bank, but also yourself you know, what that discretionary income looks like so that you can demonstrate that you're borrowing within your affordability limits. And lastly, um, private school fees. It used to be, going back two or three years ago, uh, prior to that, banks didn't ask about private school fees, but obviously we know private school fees can really eat into uh, your personal cash flows. So there's some lenders that will ignore private school fees if your children are in year eight or, or beyond, um, so sometimes using those lenders will uh, extend your borrowing capacity. Uh, if that's not the case, uh, even paying private school fees in advance, now there's obviously some negatives associated with doing that, but uh, can um, alleviate the, the borrowing capacity impacts of uh, private school education. So they're just some tips, but uh, of course it's good to workshop your specific situation with an experienced mortgage broker as they'll be able to uh, maybe identify other areas that you can improve uh, that will help you maximise your borrowing capacity. I thought I'd leave you with one final thought, and that is I've got uh, a, a few clients that I've recommended that they go and invest in an investment-grade property with a certain budget. Um, and, and previously, really over the last previous 20 years, uh, they would have had the borrowing, borrowing capacity to be able to do so. But because of the, the timing, you know, because of the benchmark interest rate being so high, uh, unfortunately, they're not in a position to be able to execute on that advice at this stage. Now, my counsel back to them, my advice back to them is just hold fire. Just wait a few months. The borrowing capacity will no doubt change. It might even take six months, but it's no big deal. Uh, as opposed to the alternate would be to reduce the budget, you know, reduce the investment budget. And that would mean um, maybe compromising on the quality of the investment we ended, we, we intended to make. Uh, and I don't think that's a, a necessary adjustment that's, that's required at this stage. So I'm selling, telling clients, look, just hold fire, have a bit of patience, uh, borrowing capacity will change, and then we'll be able to execute on the strategy in terms of the price point that we really want to invest at. And I guess the point is that building wealth is a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes the most intelligent thing uh, to do is to do nothing. And I know it's tempting, always tempting to really do something. And sometimes we feel like something's better than nothing. Um, but that's not really the right approach that, you know, patience really is a necessary attribute for any successful investor. Okay, so that's it for this week. Until next week, bye for now.